Hello, welcome to the Monday, December 12th edition of the Preps Extra Podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined by Dean Rule and Barry Lewis. Uh, we've been coming at you all season. We're guys, we're a couple of weeks from Christmas. We're about a week and a couple of days away from signing day. Uh, lots of talk about coming up, but let's start with kind of recapping uh, the football season. Uh, sadly, football, football season is, uh, high school football season is totally over. Always, it's always a sad thing to say. Uh, so let's look back a little bit. Um, Barry, we'll ask Dean the same question, but Barry, the best thing you saw this season was what? Well, um, a few things that sort of stand out to me in football season was what a way back in August for it to start with over 20,000 fans at H.A. Chapman Stadium to see over 20,000 fans again at a state high school football game. Wow, <laughs> what a way to start the season it was as Bixby gave everyone a preview of the juggernaut team it turned out to be again. So that was really interesting. And then when I think of a lot of my best things are like Bixby oriented. So, uh, but that's just the way it played out. I think of the Bixby Jinx game. There was such a great national, the first Bixby Jinx game, which uh, Jinx pulled off the upset ending Bixby's 58 game winning streak. It was on national TV. What a great national showcase for state of Oklahoma football. It was a great game um, in a great atmosphere that night. And then you had a week later, um, Bixby be, uh, coming out and for the Today Show, having the being getting nas more national publicity. So that was really fun. And then another another moment that stands out, and Dean was there for this game was um, Rogers season finale when they were going for their first winning season in since 2006. Um, it was what m many would have considered a meaningless regular season finale, but it meant a whole lot for the teams involved, Rogers and Edison Rogers with the dramatic finish gets it for it's it wasn't playing for a playoff berth, but it got its first winning record since 06 and only like its second in almost 40 years and just to see the joy in their faces and the way they pulled it off the victory it was just a really memorable night and see how happy they were at the end of the game and uh it it was sort of off the radar of most people but it will rogers it was quite the moment Dean, how about you? What stands out uh, in your your first year uh, on this this end of the state covering high school football? How did it go for you? So yeah, Barry hit on a lot of great moments there, and and I share some of those moments with Barry. But uh, in the in the name of just being different from Barry, uh, I think when you say what was special or what was memorable about this season, uh, I think I got to point to Jinx making a nineteen point comeback in the fourth quarter against Mustang on a freezing cold night in Oklahoma. Uh, super crazy uh, game right there, and it, it set Jinx up to play Bixby again in the in the semifinals of the 6A1 playoffs, a team that had kind of been just counted out there and into the fourth. Uh, what a special comeback for them. And another thing that that I that I really found special about this year was uh, when I took a nice little. I always enjoy going out to the more rural areas, you know, get out of the city every once in a while. And and I went down to Beggs for a game this year, and uh, they they had a whole ceremony. They renamed the field uh, after Rodney Tate, the uh, legendary running back out of Beggs, uh, who played in the NFL. So I got to meet him, and 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 he contributed to that story, and and it was a really cool moment. 
Uh, most surprising thing this year? Barry, start with you. I'd say the most surprising thing, well, six overtimes. <laughs> I never thought I'd do a six overtime game. Union beating, or Owasso beating Union in the 6A1 semifinals. So that was surprising. And it was surprising in a lot of ways that the, that Owasso won and that they went six overtimes. And um, Wagner, even though I had said you can never discount a Dale Condit coach team, still Wagner, after losing 40, 42 to zero over to Cushing in the regular season, beating Cushing in the state title game in the way they did it, that was surprising. And um, so, and also Muskogee going from two wins to the semifinals this year. I think those are the most surprising things this year for me. Dean? Yeah, I know me and Barry share the uh, share that thought on Muskogee. I think that's super surprising for, for what they were able to accomplish. Um, something more recent, this might be a little recency bias, but seeing Kirk Francis throw for over 600 yards uh, in a state championship game, something that, you know, I've, I've only been covering high school sports for about four or five months now. Barry's been covering it for however long. He said he's never seen a 600-yard performance. So I'll say that's surprising um, to be able to go out and see that. And, you know, just, just to steal another one off Barry, I, I think Rogers and, and some of these Tulsa public school schools, some of the seasons that they had, I, I think McLean's one of them you can point to as well as Rogers for, you know, getting to the playoffs, something that they're not, in, in recent history, they, they've not excelled at to, to see them get in there and, and Rodgers have a, a winning season. Those are some surprising things that I think I'll remember from this season pretty pretty vividly. I think for me, guys, I'll throw one out here, uh, was Rejoice Christian losing the way they did in the first round of the playoffs. I really thought it was going to end up being a storybook season for them. You know, Chance Wilson gets hurt early. Uh, he comes, you know, it wasn't a major injury. He comes back in time for the playoffs. So everybody in Rejoice is, you know, sigh of relief there. Uh, and I thought they just would pick up where they left off. I really did. And for them to, you know, I, I thought we were on a collision course between them and Washington um, for a state title matchup. And I was really looking forward to it. So for them not only to lose, but lose the, as convincingly as they did, uh, in, the, in the first round, that was really, really shocking. So, okay, guys, let's move on to maybe some let, – let's talk about some players that maybe we didn't hear a ton about this season but that you think we're going to hear about next season. Uh, Barry, start with you. Give us a couple. Well, I, we heard about some of these players, but they weren't really at the forefront. Um, they were overshadowed. I think um, Geno Boyd from Union is a – could have a really break. I mean, well, he's had a breakout last couple of years, but uh, he's been overshadowed a bit, a little bit off the radar. But uh, he had back-to-back -back four touchdown catch games late in the season. And I think he is someone that uh, is really going to be in the spotlight next year in his senior season. And then, of course, Cale um, Marley um, rejoices quarterback. What a revelation he was in the – three games that he played while well, Chance Wilson was injured. He showed that he could definitely be one of the top quarterbacks in the area next year. So uh, those are uh, two guys who sort of may not have been on everybody's radar, at least at the start of the year, but uh, they really impressed during the season. Dean, what about you? 
Yeah, I'll say I'll cheat a little bit on my first one because I think we have heard a lot about this kid, but he's only a sophomore somehow. Uh, I, I point to Muskogee again, Jamarian Ficklin. I think he's just going to get better as time goes on, and he's going to be a junior next year. I think we're really on the on the cusp of getting to see him break out and become a monumental guy in in, in this high school landscape in Oklahoma. Uh, some lesser known players that I, that I think really could could solidify themselves um, down the road is Hudson Ball over in Jinx. Barry, I know you. I think it was you. Maybe it was Bill. So, so somebody's really high on him, and, and after taking nope. some time to look into it, uh, yeah, I think he'll be the real deal. Uh, I look forward to just because of his size and how big he is, and and where they choose to use him. I think it's going to be super interesting to follow. And then going even younger this kid's only a freshman um but barry i know we saw it a little bit when bixby played in the state championship game what this kid's capable of in the offensive game uh but defensively i look to linebacker cord nolan this kid can hit hard he's only four i talked to him he was 14 he's probably 15 by now um but he can hit hard he showed it in the opening game when they played uh, owasso at H.A. Chapman Stadium, and then uh, in the state championship game, he caught a about 45-yard touchdown on a fake punt, and he dragged two players into the end zone with him. So I think he's just got that raw ability. I think he's going to become a big deal pretty soon. I'm with Dean, I'm with Dean on that one, Patrick. Uh, I was If he had not mentioned him just now, I was going to throw him in there too. <laughs> did, did the Presley, who's a freshman at Bixby, did he play much this year on varsity? No. Um, so he's he, certainly a player to watch in the future. Yeah, anytime you have a Presley at, at, a, at a Bixby, you got to um, – is he the same type of player as his brothers, Barry? Give us just – I mean, I know that he was only a freshman this year, but what, what do we know so far? He's a big kid. He's a big kid. I don't think he's – from what I've heard from Bill, because I have not seen him play. Bill has actually seen him play. And uh, look for him to be – I guess, more of a standout on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. All right. I want to mention, guys, uh, so I've been doing the player diary with uh, Chance Wilson every week with Rejoice, and it's been it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's been kind of cool picking his brain and getting him to talk about things. Um, and I've been kind of holding on to this one for a while. Uh, last night we talked about his decision to leave Owasso and en enroll at a smaller school, Rejoice. Um you know, as Barry well knows, you know, he, he's a multi-sport star and extremely talented and uh, just didn't want to specialize. He wanted to continue playing all three sports, and he thought he had a better chance of doing that at a smaller school. So uh, following his eighth grade year, going into his ninth grade year, he uh, enrolled at uh, Rejoice, which I kind of asked it. I asked him, I'm like, was it just a slam dunk that you're you're going to go to Rejoice, you know, at a Wasso school? you know, if you're leaving Owasso High Schools. And he said, actually, no, it wasn't. So the story about how Rejoice kind of came on his radar is kind of interesting, and we'll kind of delve into that. So uh, that'll be in the Wednesday paper, as usual, and uh, online Tuesday night. So it's uh, it's been kind of fun, Barry. I'm glad we kind of came up with this assignment. It's been it's been good. And talk about multi-sport athletes. Um, I think of Dallas Keuchel and Archie Bradley, uh, who had – major league pitching success, and uh, they were multi-sport athletes. Dallas Keuchel is a three-sport athlete. He was a really good quarterback at Bishop Kelly, basketball player, mm -hmm. 
And of course, he's uh, become had a great major league baseball career. Was a Cy Young winner, five time Gold Glove winner, all types of awards. And uh, Archie Bradley, of course, has made a really nice living and uh, in baseball and still in the majors. He um, and he was a really good quarterback. He was like one of the. I remember when he was on one of our preseason covers. He was one of our four top players in the area. Uh, as a broken arrow quarterback. So um, I think there's a lot to be said for um, not specializing in a sport. Uh, I mean, each person has their own situation, but I I like to see kids receiving the freedom to play multiple sports. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, guys, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk a little uh, high school basketball, which now basketball season is, is here and upon us. Uh, last Wednesday, the OSSAA had a meeting where the uh, the popular topic of shot clocks uh, were discussed. Um, Barry, why don't you do two things? Uh, let's. I know you and I talked about this on a podcast months and months ago. Uh, where do we stand on shot clocks, and is it a good idea? I'll just ask that question of you again, and uh, Dean will have you weigh in on that question too. I'm probably not as for a shot clock as a lot of people are, although hearing so talking to so many coaches who are in favor of it, uh, I guess they've won me over. But I think uh, in order to implement the shot clock, there's still a lot of logistics you have to, to work uh, out, like having a shot clock operator, buying the equipment. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's not the easiest job. <laughs> so right. do it correctly. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to work out. But um, I, I guess I've been won over, uh, although it's still, there's still some work to do, um, as Dean will tell us, uh, before it gets implemented. Dean, why don't you uh, catch us up on where the, the process exactly stands right now? Yeah, so, you know, I think the OSSA is, is doing their due diligence and, and wanting to, to really survey this and make sure it's a decision that they're happy with. Um, I think the that right now you're looking at um you know we're still a season or two out from from this and and when it truly gets implemented and at what levels it gets implemented they're still they're still looking at all that and I think you know in, in their own in their own words they said some of those lower classifications it, this isn't as favorable um whereas at the higher one you you do get a lot of coaches who who are for this and and when you talk to these coaches it, it's apparent I think talking with some coaches, you know, like Barry said, finding the the right number of officials to be able to do this and and run the shot clock and keep an eye on it, you know, there there are roadblocks here, but whether or not this is something that that goes through, I would I would say it, it, it's inevitable, but th there's still some humps that they're trying to iron out and make sure they make the right decision for everybody on a on a class by class basis. I remember writing about this topic in the 80s. So it's not a new topic. It's just gaining uh, gaining steam. And um, yeah, I at the probably in the games I cover for the most part, because most of the time I'm seeing the larger classification teams um, having a shot clock, with, whether it's 35 seconds or 30, would probably, it rarely come into, it rarely comes into play right now because most teams, don't hold it for more than 30 seconds or have no interest in doing it or can't because defenses are so um, can be so tenacious. But um, I do know at the lower levels that uh, I see teams try to take the air out of the ball and 
it is a strategy. So I've got mixed feelings on this subject. Um, maybe they, I don't, it's, it's hard to see how you can implement it, you know, by classification though. So, because there's so much, so many crossover games, it's not like in football where you're playing districts. And I would much rather see districts in basketball. If you want to talk about changes that need to be made and things I've been writing about for 30 years, that's another thing. Why can't basketball go to districts? I'd like to see it. So um, that's, um, it'll be, I think the shot clock though is inevitable. I'll agree with Dean on that. Why, why don't they have districts in basketball, Barry? Um, I mean, again, it's one of these where there's, I think Tulsa area schools really like it and Oklahoma City area schools don't. Um, it's one of those things there's like, for the longest time, there's been this divide, just like with the shot clock. So, you know, granted, if you went to that, it, you wouldn't have all the Frontier Valley Conference schools together. Probably in Frontier Valley Conference plays such a great, their games are so exciting. Um, so that would be a negative if you went to districts is that you'd break up the Frontier Valley Conference as far as everyone playing each other. But um, I'd I think going to districts would solve a lot of things. It would take, in football, every the postseason, everything is decided on the field. I'd love to see that in basketball too. Everything decided on the court and not getting ranking, everything being so much stuff, so much of the postseason being decided by who ranks who what. I, I get so many complaints from coaches um, when the rankings are submitted saying that, you know, coaches direct, um, manipulate the rankings for lack of a better term. And I'd like to get rid of all that, get rid of all these coaches rankings as far as determining postseason positions. So basketball districts would, would eliminate that. Interesting point. Uh, all right, guys, let's go back to football for a minute because I've, I forgot that, uh, we were going to talk about our picks, um, you know, we, we, we have fun with the picks and readers kind of get into it. And we have a student picker, you know, every week. And we've had Ella Drake, of course, all through the playoffs. Uh, it was great to have her doing some picks. Uh, Barry, how did we end up on the picks? Just kind of generally kind of give us a rundown here. Well, Bryce McKinnis was the big winner. My goodness. He, uh, uh, he came back and was the winner one going away. So we want to wish Bryce the best as he moves on to another position in journalism uh, did a great job for us so and he certainly leaves on a high note winning our weekly picks so congratulations to Bryce um, there was a lot of uh, the rest of the panel it was pretty congested in the battle for second third fourth fifth and uh, although some of us like myself sort of crashed and burned on the picks in the last couple weeks um, but uh, uh, again it's uh, it was fun and I want to congratulate Congratulate you, Patrick and Ella Drake, our student picker. You're the only ones to pick Fairview to win uh, in class. So congratulations to you. It's just, it's always fun seeing the, seeing the picks. And uh, Dean, I hope you enjoyed participating in it for the first time. Barry, I appreciate you not bringing up my record right there because I'm pretty sure I finished second to last or last. 
We, uh, we weren't going to say that, Dean. We were going to be nice. <laughs> well, experience can help when it comes to making picks. <laughs> but uh, that can be valuable, like when... I picked um, McGinnis to beat Coita. It's like, been there, done that. I've seen that before. So, <laughs> All right, guys, anything else before we uh, get out of here? Anything else on your mind? Uh, just that we've got uh, our basketball season is hitting high gear. The Tournament of Champions, a big showcase, is only a couple of weeks away, December 28th through the 30th at the BOK Center. So there will be the 57th annual edition. And uh, just basketball is in, is starting to move into high gear. Saw some exciting action last week, and uh, just uh, can't wait to see more. Uh, it's uh, I think there's some really interesting. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting season for high school basketball, both boys and girls. All right, we'll leave it there, guys. Appreciate the knowledge as always, and we'll catch up next week. And then uh, next week's show will kind of be our lead-in. Uh, to signing day, which is, or the early signing period, uh, which is Wednesday. So uh, appreciate the knowledge. We'll talk later, guys. All right. Sounds good, Patrick.